Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on a former teammate of both Jeffrey and myself in Brian Bicek. And Bice grew up in the great city of Chicago, Illinois. Then he played his college hockey at Western Michigan University with a one Jehu Lavecchio. Then I played with him in our first year pro in Rio Grande Valley for the Killer Bees. He went on to play another six more seasons of pro hockey. Now he has a boy and a girl and his boy is playing hockey as well. So he is steeped in the youth hockey scene right now. And we got a lot into it on the podcast with him. But before we do get over to Bice, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Jehu Levecchio. Vex, what's shaking, Bacon? Oh, not much. Uh, Hutch. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, not much, man. I was I was super stoked to get Bice on. He was uh, he was one of my favorite teammates at Western. This guy was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Just a a great guy in the locker room. So it's really fun. And like, wow, loved everything he was saying today or uh, yesterday when we had him on the call there. Pretty cool to hear, you know, how he felt coming into coaching, coming right out of his playing career. And then kind of the th- some of the things that he found out, learned whatever that you have to do uh, once he's been in it for a while now, because it is a lot different. Like, I feel like a lot of us, when we finish um, playing, we go right into coaching. We're pretty idealistic you know we want to like help so much and then you realize like oh there's some red tape that we got to like get through or there's some like you know mindsets that we got to break down because like they just don't make sense or this or that so I don't know this is this is a really good one uh yeah well remember when we had that conversation with the USA hockey guys so we got on a call with all the ADM managers throughout USA hockey um you know they were just calling a bunch of different people um, or I guess zoom in with a bunch of different people just trying to get a sense of how everything was going around the country and things like that. And they were like, man, <laughs> youth hockey. And they were like, yeah, uh, there are some, a lot or not some, there's a lot of really well-intentioned people that kind of get into youth hockey that get into it for a year. And then they're like, Nope, I'm good. <laughs> See you later. And this, yeah, like, this was like, this was almost like a vent session of people who want to do the right thing and want to help figure out the problems and solutions that are going on in our youth hockey culture today. And, you know, it was good. Like Bice has a really good um, perspective on it. He coached at 
the mid to older ages in AAA here in Chicago for a while. And then now he's got a kid that's eight years old. So he's kind of figuring out and trying to figure out the, the youngest ages now. And so it was uh, yeah. Vent session. I think maybe that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I'd say it was good, but it wasn't like it was, you know, dumping on people. It was more no. like, like, it was more like, you know, like we get, we got to start like focusing on this stuff and, and asking questions like, well, how do we get people to like, you know, realize like there's, there's better ways to do it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Youth hockey is, I'll say it, it's broken. I think youth hockey is broken. I think the culture is, is toxic. And, you know, the, the crazy part, and one of the things that we talked about is like, it's weird how there are so many good people in youth hockey, right? So many good people from coaches to administrators, to hockey directors, to parents, to kids, so many good people. Why is the system broken? Why is there so much FOMO? Why is there so much fear? Why is like, it's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we try to dissect that (laughs) and we talk a lot about that. And it's just a a really interesting conversation with uh, three guys who are steeped in it and want to do the right thing. Yeah. It's funny. You know, usually we have kind of like a, I wouldn't say like a plan laid out for how, how the calls are going to go with like former players and stuff. And we didn't get to any of the stuff we usually do. So this is quite a bit of a different one. Like we, we didn't really get in, we went right into it. We didn't really get to talk about Brian's journey or, or like any of that stuff uh, because we just went right into the youth hockey and, and stayed there the whole time. And it was engaging and, and fun. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good talk. So a little different than what you guys are used to is what you're going to hear from this one. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, typically when we have guests on, we talk about their journey a lot and the ups and downs and things they've learned and getting perspective. But this one, yeah, we just threw the script right off the rails. Not that we really have that much of a script every time we have <laughs> guests on. We usually have a little bit of a one. But yeah. syllabus. <laughs> right out the window. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but Bice a great guy, and he, uh, he was a great teammate, and both of us played with him. So uh, this was a great conversation for, for anybody that's in youth hockey. I think it'll help you guys along your journey whether you're a coach whether you're a parent whether you're a young kid so that's what we do here at the hockey think tank podcast we try to bring on some people that can help you throughout your journey and so yeah it's a really good one yeah see last night my boy one of my clients trent frederick played in his 100th game got in a good tilly what a fight too yeah, yeah. that was a good one that was really i was talking to his brother uh, on Instagram and uh, like messenger or whatever. And he's like, Oh, Trent just got to tell because I wasn't <laughs> home. And I was like, Oh, right away. Went to YouTube is already on there. Uh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that one, that was a really fun podcast that we did with Trent Frederick. And he's a player for the Boston Bruins at Jeff trains. And the day that we had him on was the day after Alexander Ovechkin cup checked him <laughs> and yeah, wanted to fight him. Right. So that was uh yeah, that was a really fun one for sure. But that was a yeah. great fight. What a fight that was. Yeah, that was, that was a really good fight. He's playing unbelievably right yeah. now. He's like, he's like, they're just in know. Chicago uh, was yeah. it two days ago, I think. Yeah. Did you go to the game? Uh, yeah, three kids under five did not do much of anything <laughs> tonight. So, <laughs> no, I did not go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> if you listeners don't know the, what, the, the, what movie that's from, you're dead to me. I'll let you know. It's Billy Madison. Uh, there you go, right. Right. Are you going to the mall? E-O-W. No! <laughs> Couch? 
couch. <laughs> okay, we got to stop. Uh, all right. So before we do get over to Bice, we got some people to thank. Thank you to Gelsticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com for your best weighted training sticks that can help you on the ice, can help you in the basement, can help you on the driveway, or like Jeffrey can help you in the gym. Go to G-E-L-S-T-X.com and get your discount on a weighted training sticks. Jeffrey, train heroic. Thanks, Train Heroic, Josh, the boys over there. Appreciate it. This is the app that I have all of my online training programs. Everything I have you do comes with a video uh, of me demonstrating coaching. I had multiple USHL, NAHL, EHL teams, as well as all of my off-season programs. If you are looking for the most legit and uh, well-rounded off-season training program for your hockey players, please DM me on Instagram, reach out, ask any questions you have. I'll be happy to share them. I have uh, the programs up that are still good, but I have new ones for 2022 coming out very soon. Um, so if you're looking for legit off ice training, this will get you in the best shape of your life. I literally promise you. And to the parents, you can join my train with me team, which are my own specific personal workouts day after day, same exact thing, videos of everything, me coaching, demonstrating and a really super fun community with that one as well. So thank you. Train heroic. Go get it. And we also want to thank icehockeysystems.com, the best site for your coaching and youth organization needs. We have teamed up with icehockeysystems.com for an associations tab where you can get this for every coach and every parent within your organization. For the coaches, there is thousands of drills. There's whiteboard explanations. There's a drill drawing tool where you can uh, draw drills and send them to all your players. You can store all of your drills and practice plans. It's just so much easier for coaches to be able to use this as a resource. Makes you so much better for parents. We have partnered with them and gave them our Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. And so you can send this to all the parents of your youth organization to help them get some perspective on what youth hockey is all about as well. So go to icehockeysystems.com. Check out the associations tab for that. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of our amazing, amazing listeners. Just got done with our 200th episode. And that was with Brandon Arata, University of Michigan coach, which uh, also a great friend of, of Jeff and I. That one was a really, really fun one and a special one for us. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we we're actually supposed to have Brian Kane and Adam Nicholas on that episode as well. But uh, they got word from their NHL clubs that they're working for Caners with the Blackhawks. And Adam is now at the Montreal Canadiens. And they said uh, they don't really like hockey operations people to go on any type of media. So apparently we're media now. And or we have been because this has happened in the past as well. But it is what it is. It's OK. That was an awesome one with NAR. This was an awesome one with Brian Bicek, former teammate of both Jeff and I. You guys are going to absolutely love it. So without further ado, let's head it on over to... Ryan Bicek. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast a former teammate of both Jeffrey Jehu Levecchio and myself, Brian Bicek. Bice, how are we doing today? Gentlemen, great to join you. And uh, it's been a long time coming here. Thrilled, thrilled to talk with you guys. 
pumped to have you, man. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get some dirt on Jeffrey maybe a little bit later because uh, as college teammates, we all know that uh, that's where all the dirt comes from. So <laughs> there's no dirt. There's no dirt. Squeaky no dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, let's introduce you to, to our listeners here. Bice, you grew up in Chicago, good Chicago boy. We are the same age, both 85 birth dates, and uh, but never played with each other, played against each other a little bit, but not even that much. And so I uh, just want to get a little bit of your background. What, uh, what got you involved and what got you to fall in love with this great game of hockey? Yeah, well, uh, let me first start by saying I, I, I have to admit, I, I admired and looked up to uh, to you and the teams that you played for. I have to be honest. You know, you guys were part of a pretty terrific 85 birth year here in Illinois. And, um, you know, I was kind of at that double A level while you guys were, were uh, you know, kicking butt and taking names there. So I, I really did, Toph, I don't know if you know this, but I looked up to you and that 85 birth year. But, you know, for me, my journey in Illinois uh, was was pretty organic. Like, we were fortunate enough to come up in a time where, it wasn't the age of information, right? So, you know, for us, it was really was the love of the game. Uh, a lot of it because of the players that I played with for five to 10 years growing up together every single year, you know, consistency with coaches. I, I think that certainly helped, um, you know, really expand the love for the game. And then my dad was a huge reason too, like uh, just taking me to Blackhawks games and, and really just, uh, like I said, organically falling in love with the sport I love to compete. I love the process. Uh, and, and I think all those things allowed me to kind of stay uh, in a bubble where I didn't worry about necessarily what everyone else was doing. So it was the anti-hockey of today for youth hockey players is basically what you're saying. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's it certainly uh, it, things have changed a bit here. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, because it's so interesting, right? Like, so you talk about our 85 birth year, and I think about this a lot because I'm buddies with a lot of guys who were 85s that grew up in Chicago that like weren't on that one crazy team that we had that went on to win the national championship. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's like you, Matt McIlvain, Mikey Raja, Mark Menzion. I mean, I'm sure there's others too, but like, why do you think that is like, why do you think for whatever reason, like the 85 birth year kind of clicked, let's call it. Yeah, Tova, I wish I had a, a, a clear answer because, you know, now the last eight years I've got into coaching, I've tried to put my finger on that too, because there's certain birth years that just really stand out. Of course, there's always great players uh, amongst every birth year, but, uh, you know, to, to really, you know, again, at an 85 birth year, you, you talk about uh, Mike Brown, you know, Justin Lewandowski. I mean, the list goes on. Louis, another on. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys that, that we, we know and are familiar with, I think a lot of it, again, is, is, playing and staying together for a long time. I think, you know, we would constantly, you know, I, I wanted to outcompete Lewandowski every practice. And, um, you know, I'm sure same with you guys, you know, you guys constantly pushing each other. I think that's one characteristic that I can point to. I, I recently coached a, a really fantastic 07 birth year uh, and every kid was special to that group, but you know, the top three, four kids really pushed each other. And I think that's, that's one characteristic that I try to lean on, um, you know, is, is, is where the, the compete factor, you know, really, really steps up here amongst the players. Of course, the coaches have, have an impact there as well, but the players really pushing each other is huge. That's so massive. And that's something that like, we, we talked about. So that 85 team that when the, won the national championship, it was in 2000 and we had like a 20 year reunion over zoom because of COVID uh, a few years ago. And one of the things that we talked about was just like the internal competition between the players. And we were fortunate that we didn't have like three or four best put like everybody was freaking really good on that team you know so if like you know Mikey Brown scored like I wanted to score 
And then if Anthony Canzanieri scored, Anthony Cosmano wanted to score, you know, and and it just, it pushed us so much to, to try and be the best. And I think that's such a valuable tool for all the kids that are listening to hear, like maybe even if you're not like one of the top tier of, in terms of like talent on a team as of right now, like think of yourself as competing with some of those top guys, try to be better, like see what they're doing and then out work them like what, what are they doing to prepare what are they doing you know in their skills and things like that how are they going about their business on the off ice and and uh you know on the ice and stuff and just try and be better like use it as motivation to try and pass those guys because the reality of the situation is a lot of top talented players at the youth levels get passed it happens all the time <laughs> yeah and, and again even then transitioning into college and, and learning so much from vex too like his commitment level um you know again was something that i always admired too uh, from him and you know it's it, oftentimes it's not how good you are but how good you want to be right and i think there's that internal drive aspect that, that is so crucial you know again even as kids now you know you constantly want to compare yourself to to others uh, but at the end of the day, it's again, while it is a team sport, you just got to have that drive to want to get better. And, uh, you know, winning certainly helps. You talked about your national championship. You know, we were fortunate enough at the double level, our Wee major year to win a national championship. And I think, um, you know, to be to, to reward some of the effort, uh, you know, with some of the, the team uh, success, I, I think, is, is also equal important as individual success. Yeah, absolutely. that's one of the best quotes you've had on the podcast, bro. Dex is Did you make that up? Down. <laughs> Did you make that up or you heard that before? That was that that is a legendary quote, man. Like that is that's getting painted on my gym walls as soon as I get back from Which quote? Detroit next week. It's not how good you are, it's how good you want to be. Ah, I like, like that. Yeah. That especially is, with the youth, especially with the youth, right? I mean, there's so much growth opportunity, but I find them constantly comparing themselves to others. And again, it really isn't you know, again, when we're talking now, my, my son's eight years old, but even, you know, the kids that I'm the last eight years coach were typically 14, 15. Uh, again, it's just such a long journey. And, and that's really where you start to see kids take off. Is it that 13, 14, 15, you know, I, I don't necessarily care how good you are at 10, 11 and 12 at this point, like uh, just, just love it most importantly and love to get better. Well, and you, you can, you can uh, like take that quote in so many different ways too, because um, you know, we were talking about it with Narado on our last podcast on our 200th episode, not a big deal over a million downloads. What's up? Tell your friends, um, you know, talking about like the, the, the players who could skate around everybody at like 14. And I, I was kind of one of those players where then I didn't have to like w- work on rounding out the rest of my game. I didn't know this stuff back then. Right. But like a, a, from a coach's standpoint, it's all right. I don't care how good he is today. I want to help him be even better in the future. How good can I help him to be? And so like, if you got a guy who's just beating everybody wide, make him pull up, make him hit the late guy, make him work on, you know, these things like the clip that, that Tove put up on Twitter yesterday of maybe it was a predators guy came in, bought time, skated backwards in the zone, Mark rolled off. off. Oh, it's Barkov. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like it's such a good clip, but like, you know, force your players to be better. Don't care that they're the best player at 14. Let's push them out of their comfort zone to be a better player as they get older and players, you know, parents, you can help your kids internalize that. Yes. Little Johnny. I'm so happy. You're number one in points on the team, but also you're nine. I don't care. Let's keep working hard so that you're going to be better next year and the year after and the year after don't settle for where you are today. I love that quote, man. That is a great quote. 
And at a young age, it could be manufactured. You know, again, more really is more to a certain degree when it comes to skating. So, you know, it, as you get older, it, again, it's something I learned big time when I got to juniors in college and, and we get into the transition of, of health and nutrition, but it really becomes a lifestyle, you know, and, and uh, that's something that I certainly always appreciated. And now being done playing, I miss, to be honest. For sure. I want to go back to that a little bit because it's, it's interesting talking about the comparison of others. Um, because that's a huge, I mean, social media has just made that a huge problem, a huge, huge, huge problem in, in our world today. And it's getting younger and younger. I think about like back in the day, because I just talked about how we were competing with each other on our team, right? Like that's what made us better. You talked about that too, as being a driving force in, in all of our development, and it's different nowadays because we didn't have social media. We didn't have stat websites. You weren't comparing yourself with like everybody else around the country. You were competing or comparing yourself to your peers that you played with every single day. And that was about it. Maybe other people in your region or your state or whatever it is. So it was, it was more of like a competition trying to be better than everybody else rather than comparing yourself to other people. And I wonder if that's just like a, you know, uh, uh, an interesting idea just for people to hear is like, Hey, make it micro. Like you can, it's not comparing it's competing. You know, you it's, it's easy to compare because of the wealth of digital information and stuff nowadays. And these rankings websites are like, we didn't have that shit when we were growing up. Like, right. and uh, so like compete with your peers, don't compare yourself to the world. And there's a lot of different layers to it too. Like, I mean, it's, we're in the age right now where it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses and, and this kid's doing this. So I got to do this or, or, or this kid's on this team and I want to play with that kid. And, and I have so many conversations about, there's nothing wrong with being the go-to guy on your team and playing with friends and, and uh, you know, also competing in other areas besides hockey, right? Like I, I played multiple sports. I played baseball and soccer until I was 12. I played baseball in high school. Like, you know, I think learning to compete and surrounding yourself with other type of, of type of competition is, is very healthy. Um, and now, you know, hockey has become big business and it's become, you know, like a lot of sports year round. Um, so I, you know, I often wonder too, is, is, is competing, um, you know, and individual skills for that matter too, when it's so sports specific, like is the compete aspect sometimes lost on some of these kids? You know, one of the things I always try to implement, I, I personally feel that compete, is a skill set. I think that's something that can be worked on. I think it can, can be encouraged. Um, you know, some people say, well, people either have it or they don't. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't agree with that either. No chance. I think, yeah, you can a hundred percent foster that love, but I, I want to go back to something you play. You played multiple sports. You know, we've talked on this podcast multiple times, especially lately. We just did an episode, maybe 199 on what to do after the season. And, you know, we both believe you should get off the ice as long as you don't have tryouts within, you know, the next month, like get away from the ice, get off your skates, even get out of the gym, right. When the season's ending, if you're a kid and like have a week, to two weeks of like, just like, you know, enjoying and that type of stuff, but um, playing other sports and, and competition, like do you, how much do you think that that had a role in your development? Because like, I love talking about this because you, you were like, you're very athletic and on the ice, you had great speed and agility and, you know, I would guess from watching the way you skated and how quickly you could like move on your edges that you, I would have guessed that you played soccer or basketball. So it's cool for me to hear that you played soccer and like, what kind of role did that play? And how did, how did your year look 
Like, yeah. what was hockey? What was soccer? What was it, kind of give our listeners a look in that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was give my parents all the credit, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones providing these opportunities for me as a kid or, or, or now for, uh, for the youth here. And, and my parents were always going from one thing to the next. And so, you know, when hockey season would end, I, I'd be lying if I said I completely put the gear away for hockey. I, there was always spring hockey, but it was much lower of a commitment level. Like, and even to this day, we, I think we really need to prioritize the fall and winter clubs for what they are. Um, but the reality is there's a lot of entities out there in the spring and summer now that uh, are trying to be on the equal footing of fall and winter programs as it pertains to hockey. So um, not to digress, but going back, back, back to, to when I was a kid here. So, you know, you did the fall and winter, you played spring. That was a much lower commitment, but right at that point in time, as soon as the fall and winter season ended, I was right into soccer and baseball. And so it was quite common where I was four or five days a week, you know, sometimes even two different sports in one day. Um, as it, as it got to the summer months, then it quickly transitioned to more soccer and baseball and very little hockey in the summer months. Uh, but that's kind of the, the path for a good eight years that I followed from the time I was probably six through high school. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school where, uh, I was playing varsity baseball where I missed a couple, uh, games. And, and again, looking back, it wasn't fair to my team to be missing those games for hockey. Hockey was my passion. And that was always going to be priority number one. And the coach said, Hey, like we need your commitment. I was just very lucky that that didn't happen until my sophomore year. Now these kids are being tasked with that sort of commitment. I mean, heck at 10, 11 and 12, because they want their sport to be, um, you know, prioritized. So it's, it, it's a juggling act, but as much as the parents have the ability to provide those opportunities for the kids. And, um, you know, I, I just think it was just so monumental for me, um, you know, to, not only from a skill set standpoint to, to learn, uh, you know, specifically in hockey with soccer, like, so many of these kids using their feet and pucks in and around their body where that's half the game. It's so foreign to them. So for me to be familiar with a ball in my feet really did translate to hockey on the ice for baseball, obviously there's the hand eye, uh, you know, element of it. Um, but again, I, I just can't stress enough for any one of those sports. It was all about the compete factor. You know, I, I baseball, I wanted to get on base. I love to catch cause I was always involved soccer. I wanted to score goals. Like I, I wanted to have individual and team success above all else. Unreal, man. I think that's unreal. And I think, uh, you know, the other thing that you're talking about here that we try to stress so much on our podcast to anybody that will listen is that <laughs> it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, you're, you're a guy who I think you say you played double A until you were midgets in midgets. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my, my parents didn't let me go play with the, the super team for a couple of years. Cause they wanted me to stay with, uh, um, you know, a certain coach that they thought was going to help me to develop. And even though we lost games, like didn't really matter because I was getting better. And that is those two things are also very lost on the youth hockey culture of today, where all-star teams need to be made at seven years old <laughs> and, and kids need to be playing hockey, you know, all year and specialize so early. And, you know, as, as much as we can talk about, it, I don't know, people might get sick of us talking about it. I don't know. I don't really care. Like, it's just all the science, like I was, who was I talking about this with? I was talking about the other, maybe it was Kaner, like all of the science points to like, right. Like don't specialize early. All Correct. the science points to don't like, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You look at the numbers of kids that are playing at high levels of hockey. It's at older ages, you know? 
And so it just, it, there needs to be a correction in, in youth, not just youth hockey and youth sports, there needs to be a correction in youth sports. And I don't know when that's going to come, but it's going to have to come because things are getting a little insane. Well, with the good work you guys are doing again, all, all you can do is inform and educate, right? And it, it, it really is the parents, you know, no kid is going to say at six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10, that they want to do something year round. It's the parents that again, unfortunately, I feel oftentimes they're just trying to keep up with what everybody else is doing. Um, and again, it has been very uh, sports specific year round, unfortunately. Yeah. So you got a kid now, how old's your, your son? He's eight. Yeah, my son, Ben, he'll, he'll be, he'll be eight uh, in a couple weeks here. Nice. So how has that been for you as a former hockey player, like now hockey dad, like knowing that these are some waters that you're going to have to travel through here with your own kid, because you've been doing it right. You've been doing it with, with other people's kids at being a, a coach um, at the AAA level here in Chicago for a long time. Like what, what's the butterflies in the stomach now feeling like you're going to have to go through the gauntlet. You know what? I feel really fortunate having gone through it myself, right? Like I, I haven't taken more than a month off from hockey since I was four years old. Uh, when I say that again, playing coach, uh, uh, when I stopped playing, I was 27. I remember calling uh, Justin Lewandowski literally in tears my last year playing in Kalamazoo and said, man, I, I just want to be, and I need to be around hockey. It, it's, that's what I've known. It's, it's what my passion is. He said, Hey, why don't you come out next week and, and help me? He was coaching one of the mission teams. So from that point forward, I've been coaching uh, and then transition to now when I told you my son about a year and a half ago, you know, he was playing again. I, I took it real slow and patient. He was playing uh, at the local club team here. And you know, for me to be able to apply the things that I learned as a player and then for eight years as a coach, um, it, it's fairly easy for me to kind of sift through the nonsense. And I think from that standpoint to have that sort of uh, um, background or experience, I think is so helpful to apply that now to my son. You know, I've had for the eight years that I've coached down at the mission here, I've had so many of these conversations with parents and given my advice or recommendations, some of them take them wholeheartedly. Some of them probably goes in one ear and out the other, you know, but I've always said like, these recommendations would be worthless if I didn't apply them to my own kid. And now here we are and I get a chance to to do that so this past year was the first year where, where I really had a hands-on uh, approach with my son and you know from my own personal uh, uh, standpoint I don't think I've had and I've always loved hockey I don't think I've had a more fun year because now I get to do it with my son um, and, and apply some of those things and, and you know there's that negative which maybe we'll get into there's that negative stereotype of dad coach but as I keep explaining to these some of these parents is I was a coach and I was a hockey player before I was a dad so to me the coaching it comes natural the parenting part uh, is the part that, you know, again, my wife and I, we just want to, we want to groom uh, quality children that are ready to, to take on the world at 18. And, and whether he makes it in, in hockey or any other sport is irrelevant to me. I just want him to be a good person, uh, you know, be a good teammate. And, and, and that's why I have him in team sports is not for what it did for me, but you know, that, that's going to be his path and his journey, but I just want him to be a good person. Um, and, and, and again, there's going to be adversity with that aspect as well. Hey, everybody, we are going to get back to Bice in just one second here. But before we do, we want to talk to you about HelloFresh. And Jeff and I, and especially Jeff, love talking to everybody about how important nutrition is, whether you're an aspiring athlete or you're just trying to be a little bit healthier in your own life. Uh, HelloFresh, with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, 
fun and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low calorie and carb conscious options. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on the quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store and save the weight in long lives, ensuring you don't waste money on excess food as well. We have used HelloFresh with our family. I think it's perfect for hockey families, for hockey families that are on the go, especially. And for me, with three small kids under five, anytime you can have some more time to do things, it is amazing. And especially when you have three kids, as well as most of you know, affordable is very, very good too. So uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash ThinkTank16 and use the coupon code ThinkTank16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash ThinkTank16 and use code ThinkTank16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Great stuff. And now let's get back to our conversation with Brian Bicek. So, so let me ask you this, because you said, you know, you obviously played at high level, you played juniors, you played college, you played pro. Played with Jeff Levecchio. Not a big deal. You know, same with Tolf, same with myself, all right? And people know that we have that level, uh, uh, that pedigree to us, and ask us for advice. And I'm sure we all get those questions. And there's a bunch of people that, like, they're like, I know nothing. Whatever you say, we're going to do. And then they don't do anything you say. And then like a year, two years, five years later, they're coming back. Like, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Or then they're, they're the people who are like, well, why, why is this happening to my kid? You know? So I guess my question is going to be, we've all had these people and for some reason they don't, they don't want to listen to us or whatever. Is there something we can do better to get through to them? Is there something more? Is there a different way we can say it? Could we be doing like, you know, a parent's, um, speech in the beginning, middle, and end of the year, or something to any parent who will come and listen to you talk about this stuff. What can we do to get through to the, some of these people who don't have any background whatsoever? And we're literally just trying to help them through the process. I think it's different across different markets, if I'm being honest, right? Like the St. Louis market is different than Chicago, it's different than Michigan, different than Cleveland. And I think part of it, you know, information is power. And, and if people want, to hear the answer that they want to hear, they're going to go to different people. So regardless if you or I have that conversation that they may trust, again, there, there, there's so many other people that they're getting a multitude of information from. And I, again, I, I wish it was an easy, straightforward, again, I think really what it comes down to, and, and you guys talked a lot about it. And, and one of the things I loved about your last podcast there, number 200 was just the trust aspect that Brandon was talking about, right? Like, even in a professional work setting where I'm at right now, it's all about trust. And when they trust you, they'll listen to you. And, um, you know, but the ones that want to find other resources, or I often refer to it as they, they, they want to create problems that aren't there. They're going to find that information from other people. And unfortunately, a lot of that is just coming from, in my opinion, these entities that, um, you know, have their hands in a lot of different birth years, a lot of different kids, and they're not, focused on the best interest of a group or one individual it's information overload and there's a lot of information out there but at the same time like 
parents have to like sift through, I don't know how they sift through it and find the right information, you know, because you're, you're so right when you say that, like, you almost have to go to an unbiased opinion on a lot of this stuff because youth sports and youth hockey has become such a business that a lot of times the information being given is skewed and it still might be good information, but it might be skewed towards, you know, getting your kid to do a certain thing or play for a certain team, you know, and it just, uh, I, I, I don't envy parents because it's, it, it is information overload and you have to sift through it. Well, and information and education is one thing, but then the other part that you mentioned was opinion and, and, and you have to be able to distinguish the two, right? Like we can inform and educate people with facts that don't have to be opinionated. And I feel like too many people right now have too strong of opinion, oftentimes negatively about other people. Like, there are literally, I could probably rattle off 20 names right now of, of just awesome quality hockey people just in the little 20 mile radius here in Chicago. But oftentimes what you hear is the negativity and this guy or that guy's a bad guy or, or not doesn't have the right approach or doesn't have the right skill sets. Like anybody you go on the ice with, you can find value in, but you can also find negatives if you want. And it's just that that part of it is the, is the real discouraging part um, is the people that Again, they'll start the conversation by saying, I don't know, or I'm not the difficult parent. But then there's always this but after. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you lost me at the initial, you know, I don't know about hockey or, or, you know, I'm not that crazy parent. Well, all right, here we go. That's that's something that I've thought a lot about too, Bice, like being here in Chicago now. And it was very similar in, in New York where I was. It's like, okay, I look around and there's a lot of like really good qualified people involved in hockey in Chicago people doing it for the right reason, people who understand. So why the F is it so messed up? You know, well, (laughs) I mean, yes, a hundred percent, but like, isn't it, it's crazy. Like the machine, it's the machine is what I call it. The machine and money has a lot to do with the machine, but the machine is, is alive and well. Why is it that there's so many good qualified, um, morally sound people that are in this, but the culture is as toxic as it's ever been. It's just crazy. Again, I think it's the prioritization of the fall and winter clubs. Like, uh, you know, I think good quality coaches that teach accountability, that teach, you know, uh, being a good stand-up person are few and far between as opposed to there's a ton of great skills coaches out there. Um, and, and it really just depends on what you're looking for as a parent or as a player. Um, again, the year-round aspect of it is driving it to be so skills-based and so individual-based, but my love for the sport is more on the art and the fluidity and the accountability of a team. So again, and of course you need both, right? You need the skill acquisition, you need the skills coaches, but there's more of them now than there. I mean, there were none when I grew up. It was always the fall and winter coach and you coached a team and, and that was it. Now there's skating coaches, there's forward coaches, there are defensive. Co- I mean, there's just, there's so much more specialization too. Yeah, that's gotta be part of the, maybe where parents and players get like, you know, the, the ego in a bad way and like, you know, start to become me, me, me is cause they're, I mean, there's, they spend a lot of money on people like me, like a strength coach or a skills coach or a video coach or any, all these different coaches for sure. But like that whole, like, you know, working one-on-one with the skills coach all the time. And, and it's great. But like, is that also like making there be a lot more pressure on everyone involved for everything and I don't know I think it's got to start I think for things to change and like you know go back to kind of where they were is like 
we have to have the, the heads of organizations decide, like, we're going to do what's best for the kids. And this is a kid's sport. And up until, I don't know, maybe it's like 16U, you know, it's going to be like, everyone's pretty much going to play evenly, not meaning that like, you know, end of a game, it's close. Yes. Like I'm not, I'm not a participation trophy guy. I'm actually completely anti freaking participation trophy. I'm all about teaching people the value of winning, digging in, giving your all and stuff like that. But this is still youth sports and we're trying to use youth sports as a vehicle to teach all these other things that are going to make them better in life. Since most kids aren't going to play professional hockey and most aren't going to play collegiate hockey. So I think we should be teaching them all these different things. Um, and then like, I, I don't know what age, maybe 16 U that's when you start being like, okay, like you really have to earn your ice time. Like everybody's not going to be on the power play anymore. Everybody's not going to be on the penalty kill anymore. Maybe it needs you 15. I don't know, but I, I think it needs to go to that and needs to, you know, like, I remember when I retired and I was working with an organization here and like, I'm like, yeah, like I want to keep building St. Louis up and like St. Louis players, let's help the hometown kids. Let's be about the kids. And they were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then tryouts come and they're like, whoa, our goalies aren't good enough. We're going to have to get some kids from out of town. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, what? No, like, like wait, at, at tell what me age to, is this? that was for you 18, but still like, yeah. you know, it's like when you're, when the guys are talking in the room, they're like, yeah, like let's build up the city. Let's work with these kids. And then as soon as you start losing or your team's not good enough that year, they're looking to get kids from wherever and, and do all this stuff. And it's like, guys, that's your ego and winning. Like that's your ego. That's not helping the kids. And I, I just, it drives me insane. It literally drives me insane. I just feel like they're in a race to the end, right? right? Not just the coaches, but certainly the players, right? I had no idea. Even when I played midget AAA, I had no idea that a college scholarship was possible. And that's the honest to God truth. Now these kids at 12, their first year of playing AAA, like they're looking at the end game already. And it just, it's fascinating to me. Um, of course, you, you, you guys have perspective because you've been there. So, you know, like in order for that to be realized, you know, even some of these kids, I, I had, I had my, some of my old fours were committed at sophomore year of high school and they were so pumped up as well as they should be. I was for them, but I said, guys, you got to keep going. If you think for a second, then in a few years, you're not only going to go there, but more importantly, play and play meaningful minutes. Like you have to keep grinding. You can't say, Hey, I've arrived. I've got what I've wanted. And I feel like a lot of people are playing for that end game now um, you know, r rather than the, the compete element, but now, now keep in mind for the kids that that's been instilled in them for 10 years before they got to that point. Right. Where I, I just, I had no idea that was a possibility. And, and so I think that's part of the information era that we live in. Yeah. There's been a couple things that have been changes in, in youth hockey from, you know, when we were coming up in it that have really kind of changed, I think the landscape and changed the culture, probably not for the betterment. I think number one is like the OHL slash USHL draft being at 15 because every, like you have to be on the right team at 14 years old or else you're not going to get drafted in the USHL or the OHL. And if you don't get drafted in those leagues, your career is over. You know, yeah, right, right. <laughs> when the, the reality of that stat is, and we've said this stat before, like 60% of the kids that uh, get drafted in the phase one USHL draft don't end up playing a full year in the USHL. I think it was 64% even. Yeah. I told that story in the gym today that some junior right. players just got home. You know, so so that's that's one piece of it. I think when college recruiting got really young, that certainly didn't help. <clears throat> and and you mentioned sophomores, you know, now they have rules where you can't recruit kids until you can't offer a kid until, you know, the summer before their junior year. So right. that's that's helped a little bit. 
Um, and then I think the, the, I don't want to say the demise of 18U, but 18U becoming a huge tip of the pyramid in terms of like, it's becoming an academy model and people are leaving home, you know, to, to go play 18U and 18U is kind of looked at as less than when it should be honestly the most important age in my opinion for any because that's the age that it should start to get serious because now you're looking to go to juniors now the colleges should be really looking at you you know so we've we've made the tip of the pyramid so young at, at such an early part of the age because of some of these changes that have happened uh, not necessarily in youth hockey, but above youth hockey that have filtered down to the mindset of of how youth hockey works and, you know, I, I just feel like it, it's done a, it's been a disservice almost to, because everything has just gotten younger and younger and younger, right? Like, so, so when it changed, for, like when we played midgets, it was midget major, midget minor. So yeah. when you came out of Bantam, AAA, it was like, okay, if you're good enough, you play major, right. whether you're 18, 17, 16, 15. Yeah. And if you're, you know, not ready yet, whether you're 18, 17, 16, 15, you played midget minor. Why doesn't it go back to that? Because then the best 15 year olds who are going to play, you know, USHL NABC at 16, 17, they're still playing at that highest level. It will get people to stay home for longer and make, you know, and then you can move up from the U the midget minor team to the midget major team the next year. If you put in the work and you get better and then you could still go off to juniors, like that whole switching it to 18 U and whatever, like, I don't, I don't think that makes any sense. Yeah, but it goes back to you know the best players making the best teams, and then not you know, I I even here in Illinois like I've had a hard time with it, it, I had a uh, Marty Lapointe I, I coached his kid and we were sitting uh, having a beer several years ago and he told me he goes it wasn't until you know for any one of his kids he said it wasn't until they start really dominating their birth year level before I worry about moving them up and he was referring to juniors at the time he's like if my kid isn't when he says dominant you know he doesn't have to be the best player on the ice but he's certainly got to be an impact player before he's worried about him going to play juniors or the next level. And that really resonated with me or has over the last several years. Like on the flip side, you can have an 07 that's absolutely dominating, one of the best in the country. Like why, why not move that kid up to 06? Like, like to me, I don't understand across the nation, not just here in Illinois, but like allowing kids to play up again, it may not benefit that team or that organization, but who's it going to, it's certainly going to benefit that kid. And so it kind of goes back to what you were saying there is like, what do we, what do we, what is the goal here? Is the goal to win games or is the goal to really challenge and push these kids that have shown uh, in this instance, you know, that have, have really dominated or, or progressed past their birth level? I think it's such a hard thing to talk about. And I, I find myself really struggling to like, obviously freaking social media, people have the uh, attention spans of goldfish. It's up Ted Lasso. Um, and <laughs> you know, like, so it's hard to deliver points that make sense in 200 characters or whatever. But like, I think that the whole point of youth hockey up until, you know, you 16, whatever you 18, it's like, everything should be like teaching the kids how to win, to want to win and stuff like that. But as a coach, you know, when they're younger, you're not necessarily like fully out playing to win. Like you're, you're making the kids play to win, but like you're playing everyone evenly for the most part and everybody's getting a chance. You're treating 
each kid, you know, as an individual within a collective group, trying to help them be better themselves and the team. That's a very hard job, but I think like that needs to be like broken down and explained more because, you know, I think that people look at when we say like, it's not about the coach, it's not about the win record. It's not about winning. And it's like, well, yeah, we're teaching the kids to win. we want them to learn how to win, we want them to push themselves, all of these things. But like, that doesn't mean that you as the coach need to play the bench like it's game seven Stanley cup finals and they're nine, you know, and there's kind of a disconnect there. I think that needs to be talked about more how to kind of walk that line in youth hockey and all of youth sports. As a coach, you have an obligation. When you take a kid, you play that kid, uh, period. I mean, hard stop. Like I don't care unless you're going for, an, uh, you're in the national finals here, but uh, you know, it's just, I agree. It's, it too often, you know, again, it's your job as a coach. And again, there's all these different philosophies. I'm a big believer in teaching from the top down and it brings the bottom up. Uh, you know, again, along those same lines, if you have a kid that you've brought in that might be four or five relative to his, to his peers, your job as a coach is to make sure that kid gets to a six or seven. If you have an eight or nine, you want to make sure that that kid also progresses and gets to a nine or 10. And um, I mean, like I said, there's just so many layers. My experience has been in the eight years of coaching has been in the Wee and Bantam level. So I don't have the experience that you guys do, or, or uh, you know, I can't articulate, you know, what the solutions are for, for midget hockey and where they should go. But outside of this past year with my son at the might level, Wee is by far and away my, my favorite year of kids to coach. The coach, uh, the kids themselves are pure. They're innocent. They really want to please their coach. They haven't been completely um, uh, infiltrated by the parents yet. Uh, and of course, they're not going through a lot of those hormone changes. Now you transition to Bantam, and I've taken a couple of teams to the, the national tournament at Bantam Major. There's so many outside circumstances. We talk about the lifestyle, right? They're in high school. They're into all these other things. And so as a coach now, your message has to change a little bit. Um, but man, that, that peewee birth year is, to me, is just so fun. They're, even younger, too, they're, they're sponges. Like They want the accountability. They want the structure. They want to be given more um, and if I'm being honest, at times it's the parents that are holding the kids back. I, I have, I have an interesting take on this because, and vice, you've probably been through this too, right? Like, um, just talking to a, a lot of different youth coaches at, at especially the youngers of younger of ages. And I, Vex, I think we've talked about this before, but there's typically three, three types of kids on a youth team, you know, at the younger ages, you know, there's the top kids, there's the middle kids, and then there's, you know, the bottom kids or whatever. Okay. So coach number one wants to win so he plays the crap out of the the top kids and the top kids parents absolutely love it <laughs> and the team is winning because they're playing the top kids but who's not happy you know the the bottom kids maybe the middle kids their parents are upset because it's freaking youth hockey and everybody should be playing just like we're talking about and so there's the coaches screwed because there's a there's a subset of parents that aren't happy right then coach b is doing a little bit more, more what we're talking about where he's playing everybody equally. Everybody's getting different, you know, chances on power play, penalty kill, whatever it may be. Now the top players, parents are pissed off because the team's not winning as much because their kids aren't on the ice as much. And, you know, they want to be on, on a winning team or whatever it's. So now they have a different group of parents that's upset. It's almost like youth coaches can't win at times because depending on how you really? allocate ice time and, and, and at the end of the day, right? Like in it from mites to, to bantams, let's call it, there is a pretty big discrepancy between player one, two, and three and player 15, 16, and 17. 
you know, it just, and then when it gets older and older, that, that discrepancy gets shorter and shorter where everybody's a little bit more equal. Um, so it's, it's a delicate balancing act that all coaches need to need to walk because at the end of the day, like if you're not winning and if you play people equally, you're not, you're not, it's, you're just not going to win as much. Like if your top players are playing more, you're probably going to win more in the short-term version of it. Like in the long-term of it, no, everybody's going to get better. (laughs) <laughs> you know and and so the 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 tide will what is it the ship rise with all tides or whatever the freaking saying is called yeah. um but it is like i've had so many different conversations guys with with youth coaches at the youngest of levels about that yeah and it's again it's interesting because as we talk about trust is so important information and education is so important and, and again I, i've had the ability where with the younger kids i think it's important to include the parents you know again as they get older i think it's vital that you you talk directly with the athlete himself uh, you know, maybe that's been your guys' experience at the midget level, but certainly as it pertains to peewee um, and even younger, I think the parents need to hear the messaging at times because Johnny's not going home to tell mom and dad what the message was. And, and, and heck, half the time they're worried about, you know, what they're doing 10 minutes after the game. Um, and, and so I think from that standpoint, information really is power. And, um, you know, as far as who's playing, I think you have to make sure that they communicate, you know, <laughs> Jeff, this goes back to uh, kind of our college days. I think you have to be able to make sure that everybody knows where they stand. I don't care if that's hockey or business. Um, you, you, you need to make sure that if somebody isn't getting what they want, they know why. Uh, you know, if they weren't paying attention in practice, if they weren't bringing their best effort, again, attitude and effort are the two things any kid that ever played for me, that's all I stress is you give me your attention, you work your butt off, we can fix the rest. Um, you know, but uh, if, if, if it's a, a disciplinary reason, then they need to know that. And I, I don't know if enough um, communication is going on. It's kind of my way or the highway. I'm the coach. And, and this is, this is just the way it is, which uh, can be dangerous too. I think that all starts from the very beginning of the season. You said communication there at the end and Tolf and I have talked about this, but any coach is listening, like you have to get up in front of all of the parents and all the players to start the year after you pick the team and say, this is how I'm coaching this team. This is why I am the coach. No one else in this room is the coach. So like, this is how it's going to be done. So I don't want to hear people complaining that the ice time is even or that everyone's playing power play. And if we lose games, but the boys are working hard and you know, they're learning and they're getting better. Like we might lose some games. That's okay. They're four, (laughs) you know, or like, however, however, you know what I mean? And I think that that, that is a must. That is the first thing you need to do you know, tryouts are coming up here when your team is picked coaches like that organizations, you should make this a must. Cause I think that by doing that and then setting that standard, like I will not talk about ice time, you know, outside of, you know, maybe just this set time or when we have our meetings, you know, in November with all the players, whatever it is, like set, set the standards, set the guidelines, set the rules so that parents know. And then also like, if you say that up front, like, listen, this is what we're doing. We're going to have everyone play for the most part, all things being equal. Everybody's going to play equal amounts of ice time. Okay. Like we're playing as a team. We're teaching them this about through hockey, but it's going to be about life and this and that, and there's going to be good times. There's going to be hard times, yada, yada, yada. We're not playing to win. This isn't the Stanley cup finals. Um, I think that that will help just parents as they go along. And then you can also, any time that they come to you and say, you know, I'm not that parent who usually talks about ice time. Then they give you the, but little Johnny, when he scores, we win, you know, you could say, do you remember that meeting we had at the beginning of the year? Okay. 
that'll be my answer. And then you walk away, you know, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And again, I think setting the tone is so crucial, but then obviously having a backbone and that's where experience really helps, at least from my experience, experience helps. Right. And I had a dad that came up to told me, you know, I was a year or two out of playing pro hockey and they're like, you know, you've got a great experience, but you don't experience coaching. And for the longest time I was sitting there going, yeah, but you can't get experience without being given an opportunity either. And so I was kind of confronted at that point in time, but I totally get where he was coming from now where again, I've had an opportunity completely outside of what we're talking about on the ice. Everything that we're talking about right now is away from the rink and is, is expectation setting. Uh, having that experience was so crucial. But the last point I want to add too is, uh, you know, again, now going through it with my son and, and I see it clear as day, everybody looks at their kid with rose colored lenses, right? They're, they're hyper-focusing on their kid. And what is one, what does one parent or kid always want? They want ice time. It wasn't until I got to college, Jeff, where I had to face the adversity of having four lines with an extra line in the stands. And that really shook me. Um, you know, up until even junior hockey, we had 10 players. Uh, you know, even when I played midget hockey, I don't think we ever had four lines. And so now every single AAA team, at least here in Chicago, I, I don't know if it's similar in St. Louis, they have four lines. Like, it's impossible. You're playing sometimes 13 minute periods. Like, at best, you're getting three shifts a period. Like, there's just not enough to go around sometimes. And that's causing some of these parents uneasiness and trying to justify their decisions and, and their time and, and commitment levels. And again, it goes back to ice time. You get a few penalties mixed in and all of a sudden that shrinks even more. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to do with, with at least my son and his group is, is remove that barrier and say, we're only going with 10 players, like period at might, that should be, again, if you have the ability to do that, where the economics align, like now nobody complains. Right? You, you have to go out and play and you know same thing you get to squirt and peewee like why the heck you would ever need more than 15 16 skaters is just mind-boggling to me it is such a balancing act as a coach right like is when you're divvying up ice time and stuff because you know especially when you get a little bit older you know you want everybody to play you want everybody to play different you know different roles and things like that to be able to to develop you know, and then there's injuries and then there, and then there's, you know, different situations in a the game, there's special teams. Like it is, it's, it's such a balancing act, but I think, um, you know, Vex, what you were talking about, just being very upfront with how you're going to do it at the beginning, you're still going to fight some battles. There's no question because of what you said, Vice, like people have rules, colored glasses, but at the end of the day, the more upfront you are in your philosophy of how you're going to do things. And then, you know, Vice, like you said, having a backbone to, to stick to it, even when people are going to try and push you to do otherwise, that's, that's like a very, very delicate art act <laughs> that coaches have yeah. to uh you know they gotta walk that line and it's, it's sometimes it's difficult but i think the best coaches are able to do that for sure and i just think again last point on this topic here for me is is just the the importance of supporting each other you know the the gmbm model right is as parents you got to support each other you have to want obviously you want what's best for your kid but you have to be equally as excited um you know when the other kids on the team have success too. And, and too often, I, I don't find that to be the norm. Um, again, they, 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 I think the support amongst teammates, the support amongst parents, that ultimately allows you as a coach to do your job and, and create the most enjoyable experience for the group. And that's just that's something that I'm going to- point. That's a big point, man. That's a really big point. And Toph and I had our moms on a podcast 
probably year one. I don't even, I, I don't even know if it's up still when we switched over to blue wire pods. Tof, I don't know, but anyone who hasn't listened to that one, I would encourage you guys to listen to that one because as Tof has talked about on here in this episode, you know, his team won the national championships um, in Bantams or whatever. And I would always come up to Chicago, you know, a couple of times throughout the year over those couple of years when he was with those guys and the parents hung out all the time together, like outside of hockey, like not even a hockey night. And they're getting together, hanging out, and they're on the road, and they're all together. It wasn't like these clicks. If one kid scored, all the parents are going nuts for him. He's coming out of the locker room. All the parents thought he was, you know, way to go, Toph, or way to go, Jeff, or Mike, or whoever. And it was like, it was so cool to see. And it's literally like I look back, and I'm like, it's no secret why these guys, you know, why this team won the national championship. And more importantly, almost everyone from that team played division one hockey played junior hockey played in the ohl so many guys had pro careers you know a couple guys nhl like it's it's so obvious just that whole support system and i'm so glad that you just made that point place because that that's such an important thing and it also teaches the kids just like how to be part of a team how to be part of a group how to be part of a you know a business and an employee when you grow up like that whole you know there's no i in team thing yeah, I saw something recently too that was, uh, you know, you can you can learn a lot when you win games who, who claps loudest or who doesn't clap at all, right? And, and it's a trickle down effect, right? And it's not, you can look around the rink, it's parents, and, and again, eventually it's going to trickle down to the kids. Uh, and so that's just so important. You know, I, I literally have been in the rink this past year where I wish I could just pull, I'm terrible at pulling out my phone and capturing moments, but I literally want to follow some of these parents around and videotape them and be like, this was you, like you actually acted like this. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, and to hear people say other kids names in a negative light, I just, I have no room for that. And <clears throat> it, it's, it happens way it's, more than you'd it's that, that pisses me off more than in the world. So two things, Bice. So number one, um, so my mom was a manager of all the teams that I like played for. Um, you know, she had brothers that played and married a hockey guy and all this kind of stuff. So she was kind of steeped into it. And uh, when I asked her, when I first got into coaching youth hockey, after I left Cornell, I, I called her and I was like, Hey, you got any advice? And she said, yeah, throw lots of parties for your parents. And I was like, that's it. She's like, yep. Lots of social stuff with the parents. And I was like, really? She's like, you have no idea how like important that is. Like the parents have to be getting along and, and on the same page. And I'm sure at times, especially in hotel rooms, people maybe drink a little too much whiskey or a little too much wine. It can get, it can get a little ugly, but um, she's like, yeah, that's, that's one of the most important things. And then to your second point, you know, one of the things that she did when she was a manager of one of my little brother's teams, and uh, it was a JV high school team. And there was a dad. No, I think it was youth hockey. I don't think it was high school. I think it was actually youth hockey. And I think I've told this story before, but she did exactly what you're talking about with the camera phone. And so there was a dad that was like really bad in the stands, yelling at the refs, yelling at other kids, like all this kind of stuff. And so she pretended to video the game. And she, you know, it was when the big camcorders, right? It wasn't on the phone, right, right. the big, the big video things. And she actually videoed that dad for the game, you know? So when, when the dad was looking, she would be, you know, looking at the play. And then yeah. when the dad wasn't looking, she would have the video on, on him. And so, you know, it, it was almost like a strike three where she had and had the coach like talk to the dad, like, Hey, you got to settle down. Hey, you got to settle down. And, and then it was, okay, we got to figure something out because this is not good for our team. And so she did that. 
they showed the video to the dad and the dad was like really embarrassed. He was like, I had no idea that that's how I sounded or looked like he like, didn't realize that he was doing that stuff, you know? And so I just wanted to throw that story in there because that's, that has happened. (laughs) It it needs to happen more, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I think half the time these people don't even know uh, how they're behaving and acting. It's like, would you want your child acting that way? (laughs) Yet you're setting the example here. So I don't know. Again, to me, it all comes back to support, supporting each other. Uh, It trickles down to the kids, obviously, but parents need to be, uh, you know, again, equally excited and and, and happy for other success other than just their own. Yeah. Speaking of this, did you guys see that video that Chicklets put out and probably rink shrinks of the kid running up the stands and then swinging at that guy? Yes. What? Like I heard one of the kids sitting in the gym today was telling me that the kid's mom got i don't even know i was like i don't care why it started it shouldn't have started it's an absolute joke there's no reason for it like what is happening man what is happening well i i guess i'm curious from your guys' standpoint too do you think a lot of that is just because everything is captured now like a hundred percent yes well it's a different age too right where like literally like kind of when we were growing up and especially when our parents were growing up if there was an issue you went outside and you handled it yeah like that happened I mean, I'm sure that's happened in parent groups in your guys' hockey before where there were two dads that were pissed off and they went out in the parking lot and freaking had a fight and then it was over, you know, now. So you don't think it's any worse? You think it's just now it's being captured? I think it is worse. Stuff like that happening. I think it is worse to a certain extent, but I, like I ask my dad all the time, I'm like, you know, I'll tell him like a crazy story of something that happened and like, I'm expecting him to be surprised. And he's like, (laughs) Okay. Well, like you got anything else? You got something better for me? Yeah. I've seen that 15 times, you know, cause he's been in youth hockey for 40 right. years, 35, 40 okay. years or whatever. But okay. I, the one thing I do want to talk about, like Bice, I'd, I'd be interesting to hear your take on this because you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent now. My wife and I would like to read and listen to podcasts about parenting and stuff, especially she does. And um, you know, one of the things that I've learned is the best thing that you can do for your kid is be a good role model. Like it's not the values that you're trying to tell them or what you're doing with them or putting them in this or that, or the other thing. It's just like, who are you as a person? That's the most important thing. And, and I think parents need to understand that. Like, because like as coaches, we get a lot of flack, right? For parents, like at the end of the day, you're the most important person in your kid's development. So your actions are very important. (laughs) Regardless of what you, either of us say to them as a coach, 10 minutes after that meeting, they're in the car with their, with their kid on the way home. Like, I, I don't know if enough parents understand their role in development outside of, you know, when they leave the rink to your point. And, and um, I, I don't know, I, I think, you know, for one of the things that I learned was not anything that was said by my, my parents, you know, my work ethic hundred percent was because I saw my dad leaving the house at five o'clock in the morning and coming home at night, working his ass off. And I was one of five kids. So like I said earlier, my parents were constantly running from one event to the next, just supplying me and my brothers and sisters the opportunities. The rest of it was up to us to apply our love or, or our, our work ethic. But again, I learned that just from witnessing my parents, uh, not because of anything that they said, but just how they acted. Uh, you know, the last thing too, uh, uh, you know, as far as my wife and I, like we always from day one been on the same page. Like our goal is by the time our kids are 18 is to make sure that they're, uh, you know, great uh, people and able to support themselves. And we constantly are reminding ourselves, our job isn't to be easy right now. Like it's easy to put 
an iPad or technology in front of your kids, uh, our job is to make sure that we're correcting them and not necessarily to be their best friend. And, and again, we're at a really easy time right now with eight and five-year-olds, you know, wait, give it five, six, seven years. And I know things are going to get much more difficult, but um, you know, I just think it's so important to be on the same page with your significant other when you do have kids of how you want to go about it. You know, just like what we said with the coaching of setting the right expectations, like the more you can be on the same page and that consistency is so important for, uh, for teams, for kids, for business and anything. I think it's really important what you just said about for parents to hear that, that, your coach is with your kid for what hour and a half to practice before whatever, after, and then they're with the parent the rest of the day without a school, whatever they're with them way more often. And I, I'm I immediately, when you said that, I just thought about all these conversations I've had with parents um, about their player. And a lot of them, they're like throwing the coach under the bus right in front of the player. And I'm always like in my head, like, why are you? Don't like, do I don't, that. don't they do hear, that. They hear everything yeah and 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 a lot of them are saying it in a way where i know that they're telling their kid that well don't listen to coach when he or, says that or, or he's they're an idiot throwing or, or they're throwing other kids under the bus yeah and you just too. like you can't do that and you can't do that for a million reasons because you know like think about what's that what's that doing to their mindset when they're being corrected on the ice or something now in their head they're they're hearing you and like, this guy doesn't always talk i'm not going to do it that way well see how that works out for your kid now he's going to get less ice time which is going to make you even more pissed off and then it's just a negative feedback loop whether you agree or not you know depending on the scale of the issue let's say it's most issues going on like you've got to present a united front with that coach just like you would with the, with your co-parent you know your husband or wife or whatever um and then if you have an issue go and talk to the coach you know outside of that you know as long as it's not like ice timer you know even if it is whatever but yeah. like because you they you don't want your kids growing up and working for a company and now they're gossiping and talking shit about everybody who works there and the boss is an idiot it's the fastest way to find themselves in the unemployment line or they're just never going to rise up in a company or make anything or, or they're just always going to be miserable Miserable, negative, like, ugh. You, you should see way more of that in youth, I guess youth hockey right now is more people are, are miserable and dejected and just yeah. negative connotations. And I'm just sitting there going again, why did you sign your kid up for a, a sport period? Never mind hockey. Like if you don't love watching your kid do something they love, then you're in this for the wrong reasons. Like, and, and I really do truly believe some of these people, at least at the highest level, really look at the, the, the ends, the, the end game here and what this can do, you know, junior college or pro. And it's just, it's such a, a, a toxic uh, thought process. But again, with, with more people like you guys doing this type of information and education, that's unbiased. That's, I don't know any other way that, that, you know, I think people acknowledge and understand how important this is, but then they, their actions don't represent that. Yeah. I would say like, I, so like, I do like a lot of advising with all the clients that I work with just in like, as far, I mean, advising, like they'll call me when they have problems or this or that, or they're not playing or how do I get it, you know, scouted, like whatever. And so like the biggest things that I hear from both parents and players of the 11 years of my company, is like, you know, we talk about adversity all the time and everybody knows you got to fight through adversity, but it's, it's kind of like a fight. Like it's easy to talk shit until you get punched in the face. Right. Like it's the same thing with adversity. Like it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, I'll work hard through it. But then when it hits you or it hits your kid, then you really kind of see like, you know, what kind of, I'm not going to say character. Maybe they've never dealt with it before. So they need to learn, but like parents, like, 
think about your life. Think about all that you are now. And you probably like leveled up in your life every time something hard happened and you had to find a way over it, around it or through it. So like, I don't have a kid. So I know this is very easy for me to say. I mean, I, I know that, but I also lived going around it, over it or through it to keep going in my career and progress and make money at it and yada 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 it's like i had to learn how to take on each challenge and face it learn from it get better from it you know and like i just think that parents you have to constantly remind yourself that sports is going to like when they hit that adversity teaching them to help themselves and you can be there but don't do it for them because that is going to help them so much in life in work in relationships business in hockey later down the road you're not it's not always going to be easy i don't care if you're Connor mcdavid you've hit roadblocks Sidney crosby had a bunch of concussion issues i think the best player of all time i i think crosby tons of different things have happened to that guy He's still finding a way to be unbelievable and make millions of dollars. You know, like that is the most important thing that I think sports teaches about life is how to overcome adversity, especially team sports. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, you're going to go through it. I, I talk to my, my, I get my wife about this all the time. Like it's okay to struggle young. Like everybody wants to have success and yes, you need to feel success, but to learn to get through adversity young. You know, I see some of these kids that are on the ice and they have a ton of success young. I, I really do wonder when adversity eventually hits them, how are they going to have that emotional intelligence to handle it? Like th- that's ultimately what we're talking about here is emotional intelligence. And, and um, again, the adversity thing inevitably is going to happen in sports and team sports in life. And, and I just love what you had to say about it. Hell yeah, Vex. That is the first thing that I talk about in my team building is building resiliency and how important it is for individuals and teams. Because <laughs> the, the the line that I use is, you know what? In a season, in a game, in a career, bad shit is going to happen. It's inevitable. Every day bad shit happens. How are you going to choose to see that situation that you've been presented with? Are you going to pout? Are you going to point fingers? Are you going to say, poor me? Or are you going to do something about it? Take action. You know, action is the, you know, I listened to who was it was, um, I can't remember which podcast it was, but there's this woman named Mel Robbins, who I don't know, she's must be like a motivational speaker or something like that. And like, if you want, and Craig Ballantyne talked about this when we had him on the podcast, action is what defeats anxiety. Action is what builds resiliency. Like you have to get up and do. You can't think like you got to do, you got to do, you got to do, you got to try, you got to fail. You got to try, you got to fail. You got to try, you got to fail. You got to get back up. You got to fail. You got to get back up. You got to fail. And uh, no, I agree with you guys. I think it's the most important, like if there was any skill that kids need to learn, if they want to make it, whatever make it means to them, it's how to be resilient, how to fight through adversity, how to get up when you get knocked back down. We can have it. And we already have probably had an entire podcast on resiliency because uh, we think it's, it's so important, but yeah, I, I just, I, it's, it's incredible what, uh, what it can do for, for all of us is, is just uh, learning how to fight through, just like you said, Vex. And so um, Bice, we've had you on here for a, a while, man. We appreciate your time. It's great. We didn't even get to like your journey like, hardly at all. Like you played with freaking both of us we're gonna have to have you back at some point on here to get the dirt on uh, on jeffrey when he was playing for that uh uh that academically astute western michigan university oh, oh, easy, <laughs> you're these freaking big I'm words vice is dropping i mean he's I'm basically kidding. a cornell grad over here i'm kidding i'm kidding guys I, I could talk for hours with you guys this has been uh just uh, the most fun i've had so i appreciate you guys uh, having me on and uh happy to do it anytime
Let's do it. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Have a good